0: gift from her family and also her family would like for you to invite all of you to the social room this afternoon from 2 to 4 for a celebration of Dorothy's life Community Praise Night is tonight so join us here in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock this evening as we sing praises and praise our Lord there is no adult Bible study today that will continue next week there is also no youth Bible study this evening. That will also continue next week. So at this time, I'd like to have Brad Hoagie come forward.
1: Thank you, Jack. Uh, if I could have Pastor Joel and Pastor Tory please come forward as well and join me up here. Uh, we just want to take time to appreciate them uh, for all of their service. For their time and pouring into the Lord and, and sharing that knowledge with us as a congregation and as a community. And we just are so thankful to have you guys here. Thank your families, Jake and, and Allie and, you know, all you guys do as well to support them and to support this ministry here. So thank you so much. I think this is year eight for Pastor Tori and yeah. year seven for Pastor Joel here at our church. And so, This is a small gift from Consistory, but uh, we are just so thankful. And so please join me in in thanking them for what they do here for our church.
0: In several minutes, we'll start our service officially. So, in the meantime, take a moment and greet one another. Good morning, and welcome to all of you that are gathered here in the sanctuary, along with those listening to us on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining, joining with us this morning for worship at First Church. Now to start our service, would you please rise for our call to worship? This morning I'll be reading from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. For you created my inmost being. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would number of grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Please remain standing for our two opening praise songs, King of Kings and I Speak Jesus.
2: Without hope, without light, till the heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my
3: your name is above all names there is no other name and all need will bow to you someday and even now the victory that you had on the cross Lord Jesus you have defeated death you have defeated darkness you have defeated the enemy Lord God we speak Jesus you we speak you over our family. your word says that it's not by might nor by power but it's only by your spirit it's by your spirit That we come to you, Lord God. We can do nothing. We want to walk in partnership with you, Lord. With everything that you've given us. How can we not say that we love you? Your only son you gave up for us. You gave up your son for the whole world. Not just us individually, Lord God, but the whole world. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you were obedient even unto the cross because of the love you have for your father that great love that you have for us also may we run to you in every situation knowing you are lord of lords and king of kings we praise you lord jesus and we love you amen you may be seated
4: amen amen This time I'm going to invite Rob Cheney forward. Uh, As you all saw in your bulletin, if you were in the sanctuary with us this morning, you saw in your bulletin there was an insert with some information and giving biblical perspective on an important issue that's coming up. And Rob's going to share a little bit about that with us this morning.
5: Good morning, everyone. Thank you uh, for this time. Some very important things you'd like to talk about just for a couple minutes. And uh, normally this is a mission moment. It's about a missionary and where he comes and updates us on what's happening in the mission field. But this one's a little bit different. This one is, I believe, God is asking us to join in his mission. And that mission is to protect the unborn. And the children wasn't going to do that. It's to protect the children, the unborn, and the ones living. And there's an insert in your bulletin. We've got a very important uh, vote coming up in November, the first Tuesday of November. And um, it is a It is about abortion, it is about the sanctity of life, it is about protecting the innocent. And that means not only the unborn, but your grandchildren and your children. The enemy is after them. There's no doubt that the world is growing in a darker place, and we've got to take a stand on some issues. And we're going to get a chance to do that. And God is asking us to join in this mission. This is not about politics. We owe no party allegiance at all. Our only allegiance is to Jesus Christ, our King. And he is asking us to stand up and be firm and be bold. Now, the spiritual council has put a very nice, <clears throat> very good document together here it's got a very good scriptures very scripture based that tells us why we need to stand up and protect life and innocence it's very clear about what we're being commanded to do so on the back side of that you'll see you'll see the actual proposed amendment they want to amend the ohio constitution okay they want to amend the ohio constitution be it be it resolved by the people of the state of Ohio, that Article One of the Ohio Constitution is amended to add the following. And if you look through that, this is the actual wording, and you're going to see a lot of colors on there where we've tried to point out in this. Uh, the Ohio Roundtable has taken the time to point out the deceptiveness of the language. It's very deceptive. Reading it quickly, you might say, oh, they're going to take away our freedoms, and that's what they're going to try to tell people. Our freedoms are being taken away. But no, it's about... The innocent. It's about our unborn children, and it's about the children sitting next to you and I. So, take some time to read through that. I ask you to <coughs> pray about it. It's like these scriptures say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities in high places. So we need to pray, but we also need to act. So I ask you to, to, to pray about that. And to get right with God, get on your knees and and ask God how you can join in this fight. And please show up and vote on uh, the first Tuesday of November. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Rob, for those words and your boldness in speaking on that issue for us here. Now at this time, I pray that you would please just bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before you at this time and give you thanks that we can come into your presence and lift up our prayers. We thank you for this beautiful morning you have given us and allowing each of us the opportunity to come before you and to praise your name. For you are the creator of all good and perfect things. And we know, Lord, that you have placed each one of us at just the right time, in just the right place, where you want us to be. Help us not to forget this, Lord. We live in a world that just seems out of place at the moment. There's chaos all around us, but help us to remember that you are in control of each and every situation. And for this, we give you thanks. Lord, we know that you are the creator of life and that each and every life is a masterpiece in which you have formed. And as we read earlier, Psalm 139, Lord, you tell us that you knitted us in our mother's womb and that before we were even formed, you had our names written in the book of life. We know, Lord, what you have created in your image That Satan is trying to destroy. And so please be with the people of this state, Lord, as we have the opportunity to vote on this important issue. Help us to realize, Lord, that this is not a political issue, but this is a spiritual issue. And so we ask for your help in defeating issue one. Help us to stand firm in our belief in you and to vote not on a worldly agenda, Lord, but vote based solely on our love. And our trust for you. Lord, we know there are other spiritual battles that are being fought across this world at this time. And so we lift up the people of Israel and their leaders. Please provide the leaders godly wisdom. And Lord, help this world war to end soon. For we know that they are under attack too, not for political reasons, Lord, but because of who you are. I pray that you would just continue to protect Israel as your word tells us you will soften the hearts of those who are at war against them and help them to know, Lord, that you and only you are the one true God. Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time as well with our personal battles that each of us face in our daily lives. We know many in this congregation are dealing with sickness and pain and heartache. Help us to lean on you during these times and pray that you would please provide healing and comfort where it is needed. Be with the farmers at this time as well, Lord, as they are putting in the work in the fields. And please keep them safe throughout this harvest season. Lord, we again just give you thanks for who you are, for your son Jesus to die for our sins. And help each of us to respond to this free gift of salvation by confessing our sins and accepting you as our Lord and our Savior. And I pray that everyone sitting here today and listening on the radio, Lord, that has not made this commitment to please do so today. And help each of us to remove these things in our lives that we put before you. And help us to just fully commit our lives to you. Please bless the remainder of this service now, I pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would just open up our hearts and our minds to what it is you need us to hear. Please keep your hand upon First Church here in New Knoxville. And Lord, help us to stay focused on putting you first in all that we do. Bless the time this evening during our praise and prayer night. And we ask that your spirit would just move through this place as we lift up our voices to you tonight, Lord. I just pray that you would fill our hearts with joy. And most importantly, Lord, that your name may be glorified in all of it. Through all this, Lord, we love you. And we give you thanks. And we join together at this time, Lord. And lift up to you the prayer that you taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us not... Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory of heaven. Amen.
6: There we go. Kids can come forward for children's chat at this time. Good morning. How are you? Hi, guys. Everyone have a good week? Yeah, good. All right. So, you know, a very special season is coming up. Does anybody know what's coming up? It's not Halloween. What comes after Halloween? Christmas! Yes, I love Christmas. How many of you use cookie cutters at Christmas? Yeah? And you put all the icing on them. Oh my goodness. Purple. Whoa, That's very cool. I want to come bake cookies with you. So <laughs> so you guys use cookie cutties, right? And when you use these, do your, cookie cut, do your cookies turn out all the same? Like if you were to use a Christmas tree one, they would all look sort of like Christmas trees, right? Or gingerbread man, right? So all your cookie cutters make everything look the same, right? Sometimes when you put the, the dough into the oven and it comes back out, it doesn't always look the same. Like the gingerbread man like, m- might look like a blob. But that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make everything the same. Now, I want you to look around at everyone up here. Take a look really quick. Do you guys all look the same? Why not? We're made different. Yeah. So we're not made from cookie cutters, are we? God didn't take a cookie cutter and just make a bunch of girls and a bunch of boys. No, he made us different and unique. And that's really cool, right? So some of you might have brown hair. Some of you might have blonde hair or red hair. Some of you might have blue eyes or brown eyes or green eyes. So we don't all look the same. And do we all like the same things? No, some people might like sports, some people might like dancing, you know, we are all different. And God did that for a reason. God created us all special and unique, right? And Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. So when God made you... He made you special. He created you in his image. Did you know that you and I and all other humans on this planet are created in the image of God? We're the only ones who get to carry God's image. That's really cool, isn't it? But he also knew what you would grow up to be. He knew what sports you would like. He knew what color your hair would be. All of those things he knew as you were growing in your mom's belly. That's really cool, isn't it? And if he wanted to look, make us look all, right, all the same, he might have used a cookie cutter, but he didn't, right? Yeah, you're in your mom's belly. And so I want you guys to remember that God created you. And he created you in his image for his purpose so that you can know him too. So don't ever forget that, that you were created by God. And he does not make mistakes. And he created you just the way he wanted you. So let's pray, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these children, Lord. I thank you for the chance to come and to talk about your word. God, I thank you for creating us, that you didn't just create us out of cookie cutters, Lord, that you made us each unique and you designed us the way you wanted us to be, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to remember that we are created by you and for you to be in relationship with you. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. You guys can go back to your seats.
4: Amen. Thanks, Pastor Tory. Thanks, kids. And as the choir comes forward, I just want to take a moment and uh, just remind you of a couple things. First of all, our offering this morning goes to support the radio ministry here at First Church. Uh, what an important ministry that is, but it's also an expensive ministry. Uh, it's not cheap for us to be on the radio, but it is well worth the investment. And so we're grateful that we have the opportunity to do that. And our offering today is going to help fund that ministry going forward. Also, just one bit of clarification, uh, the the Bible study that is canceled this morning is Aaron Warbaugh's Bible study class. The one on parenting that meets down in the social room will still meet today after church. Um, so if you're a part of that class, we invite you to stick around during the Sunday school hour and participate in that. So at this time, I invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering.
7: For the scripture reading this morning, the reading comes from Genesis one, verses twenty six through thirty one. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them
4: Let's pray to the Lord together. Father, we come here this morning in your name uh, to worship you and to praise you. And we come here to hear from you as well. And so as we gather around your word this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit guides us, uh, softens our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as you know, this year we've been preaching through the Bible. We've been reading through the Bible, and every Sunday I've been preaching from a text um, that comes from the reading from that week. And I said at the beginning of the year that, Lord willing, I would be I would be sticking with that plan and following through with that every Sunday through the year. And so far we've been ha- we've been able to do that. But I also knew that sometimes things come up, and sometimes issues come up that deserve our attention and deserve uh, an opportunity for us to step away from the plan and address them. And so that's what we are doing here this morning. As you heard from Rob earlier, you heard Brad pray about, there's obviously an important issue coming up here in our state, and it's important for us to be able to, as God's people, come together and say, what does this mean for us from a biblical perspective? Again, not a political or partisan perspective, but what does God's word say about this particular issue? And for us, that what that means is we're going back to the beginning. We are not starting our reading plan over, don't worry about that, but we are going back to Genesis because so much of what we understand about the world, what we understand about God, what we understand about ourselves is grounded in those very first chapters of our scriptures and so we are going to take a look at Genesis 1 26 to 31 and, and we're going to reflect this morning about what it means to be made in God's image and why that is important for us I remember the day that Allie told me that she was pregnant with Josephine um obviously it was a day we were excited for, we were looking forward to. Uh it was also a day of joy and excitement and, and nerves, right? As finding out gonna be a father for the first time. There was a lot of joy and excitement, but also nervousness mixed into that, right? What is this? This is a life-changing moment for us as a family. Many of you have experienced that. Many of you long to experience that. And there are many people in this world that when they hear that news, they have a very different kind of response. A response, perhaps not of joy and excitement, but of worry and and concern of what that may mean for them and their lives going forward. And so today we need to understand that God values all human life. That all human beings have been made in God's image and are worthy of dignity and respect and value. And we must understand that we need to allow that principle, that truth to impact how we live in this world. And so we're going to talk about that this morning by looking at Genesis 1 and, and reflecting on that truth as it pertains to us and as it flows throughout the rest of Scripture as well. And so the first thing that we see here in Genesis 1, this is the creation account, of course. And in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we see that all human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Men and women both equally bear God's image in His creation. One not more so than the other. And they were made with uh, distinct purposes and and qualities and and uniqueness. And those differences are good and God-given. That doesn't mean they bear God's image differently. They bear God's image equally and in the same capacity and to the same extent. But God created us in His image, both male and female, And when he did so, he looked at it and called it very good. Those distinctions are part of God's creation and part of the way that God ordered this world. But we must remember, though, that being made in God's image is not a physical characteristic, right? Men and women are different, but yet they equally bear God's image together. And so God's image must be more than physical. It's not just a a characteristic that you can point to in this person, but not another. We've all been made differently and we've all been, as Pastor Tori said in the children's chat, we're not all cookie cutter people, right? We have all been uh, created in our own unique and beautiful way. There's men, there's women, there's, there's different hair colors, different heights, there's different ways equally and fully bear the image of God in them. And so the image of God is, is not a physical image because we know that God is Spirit. You know, God's not an old man with a long beard sitting in a cloud somewhere looking down on us. We know that the Father is Spirit. And so to be made in His image is not a physical image, but it is a spiritual one. And we see here in these, in these verses that part of what it means to bear God's image is to, to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him. We've been made in communion, in fellowship with our God. It's something that is distinct from the the angels and the animals and all the rest of creation. Human beings are the only thing that are described as being made in God's image. Now think about that for a moment. There's a lot of very intelligent animals out there, right? You can train your dog to do a lot of cool tricks, but they're not made in the image of God. Angels are spiritual beings that God created to, to, to carry out His will in the world. They're not made in the image of God. Only human beings are made in God's image. There's something unique and special about that. Psalm 8, as David, the psalmist, is reflecting on God's creation, he says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Right? You made them a little lower than the angels. Human beings have a special place in God's creation that is unique. And it is because God has placed His image in them. So therefore, it means that all human life from womb to tomb is valuable and precious and is worthy of dignity and respect. See, all people are valuable and precious to God. And so when we think about life and we think about life beginning at those earliest moments inside a mother's womb, that life is precious and valuable to God. When we think of a life of of a teenager, That life is valuable and precious to God. When we think of an elderly person struggling with health concerns, that life is valuable and precious to God. All life from womb to tomb is worthy of dignity and respect. You see, life is a gift, not a burden. Right? Life is a is a joy that is to be celebrated not an obstacle to be overcome. And when we understand that, we begin to view things very differently. It means that all people, regardless of their station or situation in life, are valuable to God. It's not based on their, their sex. It's not based on their viability. It's not based on what they're able to offer to this world. It's not based on economic or citizenship status. All life is precious and valuable to God. Viability is an especially dangerous, slippery slope, isn't it? Because how do we define viability, right? We understand that term is often used in this conversation, but we must understand that we have to ask ourselves, where do we draw the line when it comes to viability? Infants are not viable in and of themselves. They cannot care for themselves or support themselves. They're completely and totally dependent upon their parents or their caretakers for survival right? Giraffes, I remember seeing a video once, a giraffe practically walking out of its mother's womb, right? <laughs> it's born and within mo- literal moments, it's, it's up and it's walking, right? Animals in the animal kingdom are, are almost totally independent, not all of them, but many of them are almost totally independent from the moment of their birth. But human beings aren't. We are totally dependent upon our parents or our caretakers until we reach an age where we're able to care for ourselves. But let's leave children to the side for a moment. That viability question raises many other issues. What about people with disabilities? What about people with terminal illnesses? What about the elderly? That question of viability goes beyond just a a child in the womb, but it affects all areas of life. And if we allow ourselves to go down that path, we may never know where it ends. And so all human life, is worthy of dignity and respect. Your value as a person is not based on what you're able to contribute to society. Your value as a person is not based on what you are or not able to do. Your value is based on the fact that you are a a person created in God's image. And that is enough, right? That is enough to be worthy, to be valued and worthy of dignity and respect. You see, the first step towards... um, uh, allowing things like this to happen is, is to dehumanize the other side. And we see that throughout human history, don't we? Think about what happened in, in, in the early uh, centuries of American history, of, of, of history on this continent with slavery. One of the ways that, that people justified slavery was by looking at human beings, particularly Africans in this case, as less than human. And it was even, it was even structured into, our, into the, the documents of our country with a three-fifths compromise. There was a dispute about how to count slaves for population purposes, for representation in Congress. And so what did they do? They counted them as three-fifths of a person. Can you imagine being considered three-fifths of a person, not fully worthy of dignity and respect? Look what happened to Jewish people in 1930s and 40s Germany in the Third Reich. They were described as cockroaches, as vermin that were infesting the country. People didn't decide to persecute Jews overnight during Hitler's reign. It was something that was built up over time by the way it was talked about and by the words that were used to describe them. And today we talk about children, unborn children, as clumps of cells, as tissue that can be removed, as not truly a living person. And we use those words to justify this abortion issue. We allow those terms to dehumanize the child and and take away the value and dignity and respect that God has placed on them. And in doing so, we justify Atrocities. So yes, we should push back against laws and that, that harm human life. And we should also pursue laws that help human life to flourish. It's a both-and issue, right? It's not just... We as Christians are not just pro-birth. That, that term has been thrown around a lot, right? We are not pro-birth. We are pro-life. We long to see the value and dignity of human life lifted up in all things. We also know that every life is known by God and precious to Him. In Psalm 139, we read these verses about how God knows us even before we are born. That He knows the number of days they were all written down before one of them came to pass. That means God knew your life all of its ups and downs, all of its twists and turns before you were even born. God knows us from before birth. And we know the testimony of Scripture in other places. Many individuals testify to that as well. Jeremiah, David, even Paul in the New Testament. The suffering servant described in Isaiah all reference being known by God from before they were born. So we can take that principle and extrapolate it out that, that God knows individuals before they were born. God knew you before you were born. From before birth, God also knows us intimately throughout our entire lives. Scripture variously say them in prayer. God knows our needs. God knows us better than we even know ourselves, right? I mean, think about that for a second. God, do you know the number of hairs on your head? Some of you, that's maybe easier to count than others, right? But do you know? Of course not. But God does. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He knows what you're going through, right? There's a comfort in that. It's a comfort to those that feel lonely and isolated. They feel like they're going through something that nobody else can understand. But God does. God sees you and God loves you. See, there's a story in Genesis uh, 16. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but uh, in Genesis 16, there's a story of Hagar. Hagar was Abram and Sarai's maidservant. She was a foreign woman, and and Abram and Sarai were unable to conceive children for themselves, and so they came up with this great idea that they would force Hagar, their maidservant, to sleep with Abram in order to produce a child. And it worked. Their son Ishmael was born to them. But this was not the child of promise. This was them taking matters into their own hands rather than trusting in the Lord. And so Sarai and Hagar get a little jealous with each other, right? And so they kick Hagar out. They send her out in the wilderness with her son, basically left to die. And as she's wandering in the wilderness, she, she realizes that the end is probably near. So she, she has her son Ishmael lay under a bush and she goes to another one and she just waits. And it's there that God meets her. Right? God sees Hagar in the wilderness, abandoned, a single mom left with nothing. And God meets her there. God rescues her and God provides for her. Many people have named God in Scripture. We know El Shaddai. We know uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh, right? There's many names in Scripture. But Hagar, a foreigner, single mom, kicked out of her home and left to die in the wilderness, is the first person in Scripture to name God. She calls him El Rui, the God who sees me. Because she knew that even in her trouble, even in her distress, God knew her and God saw her. And the same is true for you today. In your distress and your worry and your doubts, God sees you and he knows you. And he will meet you in the wilderness and provide for you. So God knows us before we're born. He knows us throughout our lives and he also knows how we are called to live. Think about this, if God created us, if he has placed his image on us, who better to tell us how we're supposed to live than the one who made us, right? And so when we talk about Christian freedom. That's not freedom to just do whatever we want. Paul addresses that in Romans. He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means, right? We have died to sin and we are called to live for Christ. And so freedom is about learning to live within the constraints, within the limits and the boundaries that God has placed on us. There are some aspects of nature that we are not able to disobey, right? None of us can disobey the law of gravity. Give it a shot, right? See if you can float out of your pew and touch the ceiling, right? It's not going to happen. There is natural laws that God has placed that we cannot disobey. But yet there's a moral law that he's placed on us that we have the freedom to reject, And so it's learning to live within that freedom, learning to to live within the constraints that God has placed on us that brings true freedom and true joy. You see, many of the problems we face in this world are because we have rejected God's moral law and rejected the constraints that God has placed on us, the good, very good constraints that He's placed on us. He tells us, thou shalt not murder. And so it is wrong to take a life at any point from womb to tomb because it is destroying the image of God that he has placed on them. And one of the reasons why this particular issue is such a problem today is because we have divorced the purpose of sexual relationships from their intended place in God's creation and his order. God intended sex to be placed within the confines of marriage between one man and one woman for a lifetime. You see, it's like, a, it's like having a fire in a fireplace. That fire is good and beautiful and serves a purpose when it's within the fireplace. But you take that fire out of it and you put it in the middle of your living room, you're going to have problems, right? Because it's not contained to the the place that it was intended to be. And so in our world today, we have we have divorced sexual relationships from the context that it was intended to be in between marriage, between one man and one woman. And when we do that, it creates all sorts of problems in our culture. One of them being this abortion issue. We have devalued the sexual relationship. And so we have devalued the natural result of that sexual relationship, which is life. All right, we got to keep going. All human beings not only are valued by God, made in His image, but they're also created for a purpose. This creation mandate described in Genesis 1, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, that is what God created us for. And it's carried out. Obviously, sin wrecked that, right? We are not able to, fill, not able to live it out as we were intended to. But God instructed us as human beings to continue to His work in creation, to be His representatives, to exercise His authority over creation to continue the work of filling creation with life, That is what He has called us to do. And in the New Testament, we see that maybe described in a slightly different way, right? Because God calls us to uh, to the great commandment and the great commission. We are called to fill the earth with the, the good news of the gospel that God is bringing not physical life, but eternal life to all who believe and trust in Him we are called to go into the world, to fill it, not subdue it for ourselves, but to subdue it for the kingdom of God, right? To make disciples who are obedient to Him. See, Jesus was the perfect image of God. If we want to know what it's like to to be made in the image of God, all we have to do is look to Jesus. And we know that the ultimate fulfillment of that is not a, a physical relationship. Jesus was never married, had no kids. So it must be more than that. But it's a life completely devoted to the Father, completely obedient to Him, and in perfect communion and relationship with God. You see, we take away the meaning of life, and, and, and all we're left with is a self-centered nihilism, where we reject all moral and all religious principles because we believe that life has no meaning. If we don't believe we're made with a purpose, if we don't believe that those things are true, then we're left to just make it up for ourselves and do whatever we think is right. The National Right to Life Council estimates, and there are no really good numbers on this because of the way reporting works, estimates that 63 million children have been aborted since Roe v. Ray, Roe v. Wade was established in 1973. 1973. The current population of the United States is 332 million. So if you just do some rough math there, that's about 19% of our current population of the United States. Imagine for just a moment that one out of every five people that you know were just not there, just gone. Imagine the people that you love and care about just not being in your life, right? One out of every five. See, when a life is ended early, no matter at what stage in womb to tomb, when a life is ended early, they're unable to carry out the purpose that God had created them to live. Right? If God creates people to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, and then that life is snuffed out, they're not able to glory in all of the, the doctors, the police officers the pastors, the missionaries, the teachers that were not given the chance to live out their God-given purpose in this world. We need to keep going because this part is important. We've talked about some very serious, heavy things. And the statistics show that, that one out of every four women in America are impacted by the reality of abortion and then throw all of the men in there too, right? Because it takes two to tango, right? It, it, there's a lot of people impacted by the reality of this. And the odds are that there's people here in the sanctuary today that are listening on the radio, that are watching on Facebook, that have been directly impacted by the reality of this. And so we need to also understand that there is grace for all who sin. Because whether it's this or whether it's another issue, all of us have fallen short of God's glory. Paul uh, describes himself, we think of Paul as this amazing person, yet he describes himself as the chief of sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all desperately need his grace. So what does this mean for us in this particular context? It means that there is no one that is beyond the ability to be saved by God. There is no one outside of his reach to redeem and to restore and to forgive. We've talked a lot about the value of life. And in Jesus Christ, what we see is that He willingly laid His down for you and for me. That He died in order to save us from our sin. He entered into the grave and conquered death in order to give us eternal life. And all you need to do to understand that, to receive it for yourself, is to repent and in saving faith, believing faith, turn to Him. You see, none of us are perfect. None of us can stand up today and say, I've earned my way into heaven because I have perfectly obeyed all of the commandments. Right? It's impossible. But in Christ, all things are possible. In Him, there is salvation to all who believe. And so we need to choose life. In Deuteronomy 30 as Moses and God's people were standing on the edge of the promised land, the whole book of Deuteronomy is, is essentially a recap of, of all that God had done for his people. They, he re- reiterates the law. He, he reminds them of, of God's deliverance out of Egypt and all the provision that God had made for his people. And there, standing on the banks of the Jordan, Moses calls on the people to make a decision. Right? He says, I've set before you death and life, blessings and curses, but it is up to you to decide what to do with it. And so he calls them to choose life so that you and your descendants may live. So church, I'm calling us to choose life. Right? I'm calling us to make a decision and stand on it. We need to choose life. And that means more than just voting on a proposed amendment, although that is important. Allow your voice to be heard but it also means giving to organizations who support and care for women and families and children who are in their time of need. We need to put our money where our mouth is, right? One of the factors, one of the leading factors why women and and families choose to pursue abortion is because of financial instability. And so we need to provide ways for people to have their needs met so that that is not a fear. We also need to support uh, adoption policies that make it easier for families to adopt. If we, if we propose that adoption is a viable option alternative to abortion, then we need to make sure that that's a realistic possibility for people, right? We need to support policies that make adoption easier and safer for everybody involved. And we also need to support policies that lead to that sort of financial stability for the, the least of those among us. We need to provide for people that are at, that are, are in serious need, that don't know where their next meal is coming from, that don't know where they're going to buy diapers for their kids. And so we need to support policies that promote life in the womb and after the womb. And as Rob encouraged us earlier, we need to pray. We often think of prayer as a last resort, right? We think of it as something that that will get to when all else fails. But we need to make sure prayer is the foundation of everything that we're doing here when it comes to this. Colossians 4.2 says to devote yourselves to prayer, to be watchful and thankful. Prayer is not an option. It's not a convenience. It's a commitment that we make. And so we need to commit ourselves to be people of prayer. And I know I've gone over my time, but I have one more story to share with you and then I'll invite the praise team to come forward. In the early church, in the days of the Roman Empire, they didn't have abortion clinics or pregnancy centers available. But what they did do for families that did not want their children or could not take care of them, those children were, were born and then abandoned in the wilderness. They were left in trash heaps and out in the woods to be exposed to the elements. And the early church earned a reputation of going out into those trash heaps, of going out into those woods and rescuing children, bringing them into their own families, caring for them, providing them, giving them a home when no one else would. They loved sacrificially. They made an effort to go out of their way and truly care because they saw the value of all human life. Are we willing to do the same thing? Are we willing to sacrifice so that others may live? That's what God is calling us to do. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for, I thank you for life. I thank you for the image of God that you place placed in each one of us. And I pray that we as a people would stand up and support life from womb to tomb. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us your life that you died in our place so that we may live with you we pray these things in Christ's name amen Let's stand
3: and worship
4: you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Uh.